Mindfulness Mode 478. It has to be from the heart. You have to encourage people and connect with people so that they will want to take the reins and make things happen and change the world. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Welcome to this special edition of Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, and today I'm not going to be your host. I'm going to be interviewed by my son, Ben. And Ben has been a very, very active part of Mindfulness Mode. He's been my editor and assistant for a couple of years now, and now he's heading off to university, college as you call it in the United States. Anyway, Ben, great to have you here. I'm going to turn things over to you. Thanks so much, Dad. So, starting off the interview as usual, what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, that's a great question, and I've heard it so many times, having over 450 interviews. Well, for me, mindfulness does mean being aware, just being much more aware than we often are in our lives, and living in the moment, like we've talked about, and not putting so much focus on the past and so much focus on the future, but simply putting, you know, putting your focus on this particular moment in time. And I also feel that that a big part of mindfulness is practicing to be non-judgmental. And I, th- I think that really helps me to live a better and happier life. So those are some of the things that mindfulness means to me, Ben. Well, speaking of living a better and happier life, I know that you've been very involved with being a musician in your life. So how did you get started with that? Well, back when I was a kid, my Aunt Vesta would come and visit us and she would play the piano. And I just remember how much I loved hearing her play the piano. And then sometimes I'd hear other musicians in church play the piano. And and it just inspired me so much, especially the ones that were very talented and the music seemed to flow from them. And I just remember from a young age, remembering, oh, I love the music, and I want to be able to play music like that. And and that's where it all started. And then later I asked for lessons, and eventually I started taking piano lessons when I was nine years old. And uh, then to just move way ahead, I ended up being a school music teacher, and I loved that. And so those are some of the, the ways I, I moved into being a musician in my life. So... As you said, you became a music teacher. So what really was that like? Well, it was, in some ways, it was like a dream come true because for a long time during my teen years, I never thought that could be possible. I just didn't think that was in the cards for me. And uh, so when I was in my teen years, I had this high squeaky voice and I never thought I would be able to be in front of a group or to be a singer or to be any kind of teacher at all. And so uh, then later when I was actually in my first year of college, I got some help from somebody and they directed me to go to a therapist and that person helped me with my voice. And I was able to transition so that then I had a strong, solid voice that I felt confident with. And up to that time, my voice had kind of been this high, little squeaky, kind of a little falsetto voice. And that was very weird having that strange little high-pitched voice. So when when I discovered my voice, I was 
I think I was like 20 or something like that, I thought, well, I could be a music teacher. And I, I applied to go to university to study music. And then later I ended up getting a music job. So I was so excited when I was a music teacher because it just, it just was the culmination of everything. I could teach music. I could play music. I could, uh, you know, continue to learn while I taught. So it was very exciting being a music teacher, that's for sure. I find it interesting that that you used to have this squeaky voice that you weren't very confident with, but now there's been lots of people who've commented on your voice saying that it's a very common soothing. I just find that interesting how that sort of change came about. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do some guided meditations and I and I of course have had my podcast and people do comment that that my voice is common soothing. So you're right, it is kind of interesting. So, going into our next point, I know that you have been very involved with bullying prevention, so how did you get into that? Well, as a teacher in in school, I started to notice kids that were being bullied, and back then, bullying wasn't being talked about. This was around 2000, 2001, and I, I just felt terrible about it, and I thought, well, I need to do something. So, I had one particular student that was being bullied and I talked to him and and I and I said to him look if I could if I could learn more about bullying and and help more students to deal with this problem of bullying would you help me out with it and he said well uh, maybe I well, he, he didn't know what he could do but I said how about if you were featured in a video and you were talking about how you're bullied and how you feel about it and what it's like to go through this. And at first he said no, but then he agreed to uh, make this video. So I got started with bullying prevention in 2005, and uh, I never looked back because I went to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of schools. And and that video that I made with that boy has now been shown over 100,000 times, and it's made quite an impact on people. So... uh, you know, I just transitioned into working full-time in bullying prevention. It was, uh, there was two years where I was teaching half-time and then doing bullying prevention half-time. And then I I started doing bullying prevention full-time. So that's how I started doing bullying prevention. So you worked in bullying prevention for quite a while, and then something changed. You started working in mindfulness. So why was that? Well, because I, as I traveled to my different presentations and talks and everything, I would listen to podcasts and I, I learned more and more and more about mindfulness and I began to meditate and I thought, wow, mindfulness is incredible. It's, it's awesome. If I could teach kids and their teachers about mindfulness, then bullying would just begin to decrease automatically. And, and I was so right about that. And there was a very close connection between mindfulness and bullying. Not everybody saw it at first, but uh, I decided that I wanted to still work in bullying prevention, but put more focus on mindfulness. And that's when the transition began that I started to work more and more and more in mindfulness. 
So, yeah, you've worked a lot in mindfulness. You've d- done your podcast. You've done all kinds of guided meditations and stuff like that. So, out of all the things that you do in your life, what is it you love to do the most? Well, one of the things I love to do the most is just be with people, present to people, talk to people. I love doing my interviews. I love doing keynote addresses and workshops, just live events, things like that. Those those really uh, get me excited, you know, when I'm doing things like that. So that really gets you excited. There's lots of opportunities in the the world where you can do that sort of thing, get get up, go and talk with people. And there's all kinds of consulting work and all kinds of stuff like that. Oh yeah, there is. And that's what gets me really excited, Ben, is consulting and coaching. I absolutely love coaching. And as a matter of fact, a client that I've just been working with right now just sent me a message. I'm so impressed with how he's doing and thrilled for him. His, he said this in his message. He said, Bruce, you have impressive coaching abilities. You really love people and you help me find confidence to reconnect with my gift and succeed in the marketplace. And man, yeah, he's really succeeding. He's got a mega awesome job now as a result of it. But he went on to say, a lot of the leaders and CEOs get to the top by being very smart, but the brain and the will are closed off from the heart and the heart is the mechanism of connection. So I appreciate how you help CEOs and leaders connect at a heart level with those they seek to influence. And I really appreciate his words and what he said, because for a long time, I've I've seen it. I've seen it in leaders where there are some leaders who think they just have to dominate over others. And that's the way to control and to lead. And you know what? I find that that just doesn't work anymore. In our, in our culture these days, it has to be from the heart. You have to encourage people and connect with people so that they will want to take the reins and make things happen and change the world. So yeah, I'm really excited about my consulting and my coaching. Yeah, for sure, Ben. Uh, so on a somewhat separate note, what would you say your biggest fear is? I think my biggest fear is that I... I don't get the message out there, you know, because my whole goal is to share the message of mindfulness, to share how it can be freeing and it can help people with stress. And and so I just want to get that message out there to the world. And one of the ways I do that is through my podcast. And I work at growing my podcast and getting more listeners and so on. And, and so my biggest fear is that that message would not be heard by the world. And I actually meet some of my most amazing clients right here on the podcast who email me and we start chatting. And uh, well, actually, I might as well just mention it right now. You can email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we'll have uh, an absolutely free 30-minute chat about what I can do to help. And in that 30 minutes, you might be surprised how much I can help you connect with others and help you with some of the problems that you have in your life. So go ahead. Yeah. Bruce at mindfulnessmode.com for a free 30 minute session. Just put 30 minute session in the subject line. Okay. 
So, Ben, I really appreciate you wearing the hat of interviewer here on the show today. And it's been great having you work here and edit the podcast for the last three years. Ben, I have really appreciated it. And, you know, I just think of you as one of the most mindful teenagers I know. And I've actually never interviewed a 17-year-old before. Is it okay if I ask you some questions about mindfulness and about your life? Well, sure, why not? So how do you feel you've applied mindfulness yourself in your life, or, or do you think you have? Well, I would definitely say I have. I've definitely learned a lot about mindfulness over the years of editing your podcast and listening to you interview the people you're interviewing. I think one part of it is I just sort of realized that everything is going to be okay, sort of, because... Mindfulness is sort of like the knowledge that no matter what happens in your life, there's going to be changes. And those changes are going to be sometimes bad and sometimes good. So if you're ever feeling like there's a bad time in your life, you just need to look at the big picture and think, well, it's not always going to be bad. And you just need to wait out for the next good part in your life. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I noticed that from the time you were a little child, I think you were about seven or eight or so, you were fascinated by science. You were fascinated by experiments. You loved to learn. When do you remember that you wanted to become a scientist? Well, it was definitely a while ago. I don't know how old I was, but I've always been wondering if there were ways to sort of like innovate in a way, make things better. Like, I, I, when I was young, I had this idea that it would be great if we had this conveyor belt that's running through a house that we could use to just move things upstairs and downstairs much more easily. Yeah, I remember that. That's cool. And then, and then I also have always sort of, I mean, I'm sure lots of kids have dreamed about this, but I sort of always had dream of sorts about making a time machine because that would just be a really fascinating discovery to create something like that. Yeah, and you, you said that from a, from a very young age. I think it was like around six or so that you said you wanted to invent a time machine. Do you remember it being that young in your life? I wouldn't be surprised if it was even younger. I've always, you always read to me when I was young, and then I, I picked up reading pretty often, so that gave me the sort of ideas like time machines and all kinds of things that could be invented, and it just gave me a lot of ideas on sort of dreams that I could have, goals that I could reach in my life. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was around four or five, you know, you just started talking about time machines and yeah, that whole idea with the conveyors and everything. Your mind was was just working, working, working all the time. When did you decide you wanted to become a physicist, a theoretical physicist? Yeah, so basically, I don't know for sure, but physics has always been a passion for me and so is math. I've just, I've just found that fascinating and I've always had a logical mind so it sort of plays into that physics and math is all about logic and figuring out things and solving problems I would just love to be doing that for a job just solving problems and figuring out things and as well as your interest in science you love music and you love drama what is it that drew you toward drama and acting well, it was, 
I was in Sunday school at church for several years. Like, occasionally, we put on a play of some sort. We did that maybe every year or every two years, and I always had a ton of fun with that. And so when I found out that drama was going to be a course that I could take in high school, I was pretty excited to find out what that was like. And then I got involved with drama class, and then I also tried out for plays and musicals, and I've always just had a fun time. I think I think one of the biggest reasons I have this draw to drama is because I've always been reading books, and my favorite genre is many kinds of fiction books. So I think the story in fiction has sort of allowed me to connect myself with stories in my life. So stories are a big part, in fact, the main part of what drama is all about. So I would say that my interest in books really has a lot to do with my interest in drama. And what role does mindfulness play as you practice parts and go on stage and act out those parts? I would say the biggest reason mindfulness plays a part is because before you do a production, there's always some sort of pre-show jitters, as they call them, in a show business. Yeah. <laughs> That's a time that you really need to calm yourself. So mindfulness a big part of it is calming yourself and just getting in sync with yourself. So I always did deep breathing, which is a thing that was always talked about on your show. I always did that to calm myself and to sort of lower my stress and just become more calm. So I would say that's one reason that mindfulness is relevant to drama. And as well as drama, you've been heavily involved in music. You play the saxophone and clarinet and drums, and, and you were in some pretty high-caliber groups as part of your high school years. You were in a jazz ensemble, and you did a recording that's on iTunes. Uh, tell us the role that music has played for you and how mindfulness has fed into that. Well, I have always had an interest in music, it's sort of odd because I never really listened to music hardly at all, but I guess because of your influence, partially, I started playing music at an early age and I always found a lot of interest in it. And it's always been a really fun thing. I, I just enjoy learning the different instruments and I enjoy playing different songs. And I also like to compose and arrange songs. And it's always fun to hear songs you composed or arranged being played by an ensemble and I've had that happen a few times in high school and that's uh, that's been a lot of fun and really I would say music is just one of the main ways that I just enjoy my life and sort of it's a way to separate myself from math and physics because even though I do love it you can't just always be immersed in one thing. Yeah, I think there are a lot of mathematicians and physicists who have a sideline of uh, music. You know, they are a musician or they're heavily involved in music. So I applaud you in that. I think that's great. So as you head off to, to university, what are some of your thoughts? What are some of your feelings as you head into this transitional time? Well, I would just say that I'm really excited I'm really excited, and there there are lots of people that would be nervous, too. But to be honest, I'm not really nervous, and I think that's partially because 
my experience in drama has helped me get in touch with my feelings and, and just it helps me understand the way to think in order to just not be nervous and anxious because being anxious doesn't really help anyone. It's just a more uncomfortable version of worrying. Yeah, it is. But a lot of people don't seem to be able to control whether they have anxiety or worry. How do you control it in your life? Well, that's a very good question. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I would say that some part of it is the fact that I'm, as I said earlier, I'm very logical, I'm not very emotional, so normally my emotions don't get out of control, but I've sort of always thought that personally, being logical just usually helped me more in my life, and the ability to stick to being logical and sort of it's like almost a sort of distancing myself from emotions. I think it's similar to what happens that a lot of people do in mindfulness. They sort of take their emotions and, well, it's all about embracing your emotions, really. And I think I do that, but I, I embrace my emotions, I suppose. That's really the trick to it. Embrace them and, like, combine them with yourself. Well, you've been editing the Mindfulness Mode interviews for... Well, I was going to say the last two years, but even more than that, really. I think it's probably three years. And I'm just wondering, after you've listened to so many scientists, so many uh, different people talk about mindfulness, people from all walks of life, what has that done for you? How have you learned from that, would you say? Well, it's definitely taught me a lot. And it's sort of hard to tell what exactly it's done because it's just been a steady process of learning and collecting information through a time in my life when there's lots of information I'm getting from lots of different places. I'm just going out of high school now, so in the last few years it's been definitely a time of learning a lot. I, I guess really the big thing I learned from your show is really the importance of breathing and breathing consciously. I think that your show has really pointed out that that's a really important thing to do in life, and it can really help. I think that's really the main thing I learned about mindfulness and about improvements to life, really. And one of the things we talk about on the show is silence and meditation and how that can help immensely to, to help you be grounded and help you move forward. Do you think meditation is important in life? And do you think you will ever implement meditation into your life? Well, judging by all the guests you have, I definitely say meditation is assuredly something that can help your life. And meditation is sort of like that thing that I should probably do, but I never really get around to doing it. It's partially that I feel calm and in control. I feel like I am handling my life and I'm not meditating. So unless I'm doing meditating in sort of a non-traditional way, like lots of people have on your show, like meditating while driving or meditating while running or something. Right, because you have a lot of quiet time. You, you're a person that... You value your time on your own, don't you? Yeah, that's definitely true. So it could be that I do something like meditating during those quieter times. Uh, if I do, then that would just go to show that even when it's not conscious, meditation can really calm you and, and improve your life. Because I feel like I have a calm life. I feel that I'm in control of my life. I like my, where my life is going. That's one of the things that I know from your show happens because of meditation and mindfulness. 
Yeah, I, I think it does. And as you uh, move into your education at university level, what is one thing that you hope to achieve in the world in your lifetime? So it's sort of like a broad idea of what you'd like to do to help contribute to the world. It's great to improve the world. But really the thing that's been driving me into physics and math is simply my passion to just discover more things. And I feel like that has really just driven me forward and driven me to learn as much as I can. And really that's my goal, although it's sort of a never-ending goal, which I think is good because lots of people have goals which are like, oh yeah, I want to be a supermodel or whatever, or or a rock star or something like that. Those people, if they achieve those goals, they're never they're never really satisfied. So I feel like the best way to go about life is to have a goal that you can't really ever achieve, which seems kind of contradictory, but I feel like it always gives you a purpose in life. It means you, you're always trying to strive to something. So I would just say that the biggest thing in my life that I'm trying to do through science is just learn more about the world and how it works and also like pave the way for people in the future to just know even more about the world and how it works. Well, you know what, Ben, it's been great having this chance to sit down and talk to you one-on-one about all of these things. And like I said, I'm honored to have had you working side-by-side with me for the last three years and to have you editing podcasts and and doing all kinds of work to do with mindfulness mode. So uh, it's really important to me that we do stay connected and that you feel as though you can ask me anything and you know, that I can still be a positive mentor in your life as you move forward in your education. So best of luck with everything, Ben. Thanks a lot. It's just been a great time. You're a good parent. Mom's a good parent. It's been a good time. So I'm I'm glad that you're my parent, I suppose. All right. Well, thanks so much, Ben, for being on the show and, and all the best. Bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today in Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type in the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe that's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or the Podbean app. Hit subscribe and share because subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. And like I said during the interview, for a free 30-minute session with me, just send an email to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and in the subject line, just put 30-minute session. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.